Section zero of Pantrophian. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pantrophian by Alexis Sawyer. Pantrophian. Quote, I did feast with Caesar. End quote. Shakespeare from Julius Caesar, Act three, scene three. Quote, Dis-moi ce que tu manges, je te dirai ce que tu es. End quote. Ria Savarin, Physiologie du Goût. Thanks to the impressions received in boyhood, Rome and Athens always present themselves to our minds accompanied by the din of arms, shouts of victory, or the clamours of plebeians crowded round the popular tribune. And yet, said we, nations like individuals have two modes of existence distinctly marked one intellectual and moral the other sensual and physical and both continue to interest through the lapse of ages what for instance calls forth our sympathies more surely than to follow from the cradle that city of romulus at first so weak so obscure and so despised through its prodigious developments until having become the sovereign mistress of the world it seems like alexander to lament that the limits of the globe restrict within so narrow a compass its ungovernable ardour for conquest its insatiable thirst of opimasbolia and tyrannical oppression in like manner a mighty river accounted as nothing at its source where a child can step across receives in its meandrous descent the tribute of waters which roll on with increasing violence and rush at last from their too narrow bed to inundate distant plains and spread desolation and terror history has not failed to record one by one the battles victories and defeats of nations which no longer exist and has described their public life their life in open air the tumultuous assemblies of the forum the fury of the populace the revolts of the camps the barbarous spectacles of those amphitheatres where the whole pagan universe engaged in bloody conflict where gladiators were condemned to slaughter one another for the pastime of the over-pampered inhabitants of the eternal city sanguinary spectacles which often consigned twenty or thirty thousand men to the jaws of death in the space of thirty days but after all neither heroes soldiers nor people can be always at war they cannot be incessantly at daggers drawn on account of some open-air election the applause bestowed on a skilful and courageous bestiarius is not eternal captives may be poignarded in the circus by way of amusement but only for a time independently of all these things there is the home the fireside the prose of life if you will nay let us say it at once the business of life eating and drinking it is to that we have devoted our vigils and in order to arrive at our aim we have given an historical sketch of the vegetable and animal alimentation of man from the earliest ages therefore it will be easily understood why we have taken the liberty of saying to the austere jew the voluptuous athenian the obsequious or vainglorious senator of imperial rome and even to the fantastical prodigal and cruel caesars tell me what thou eatest and i will tell thee who thou art 
but it must be confessed that our task was surrounded with difficulties and required much laborious patience and obstinate perseverance it is easy to penetrate into the temples the baths and the theatres of the ancients not so to rummage their cellars pantries and kitchens and study the delicate magnificence of their dining-rooms now it was there and there alone that we sought to obtain access with that view we have had recourse to the only possible means we have interrogated those old memoirs of an extinct civilization which connect the present with the past poets orators historians philosophers epistolographers writers on husbandry and even those who are the most frivolous or the most obscure we have consulted all examined all neglected nothing our respectful curiosity has often emboldened us to peep into the sacred treasure of the annals of the people of god and sometimes the doctors of the primitive church have furnished us with interesting traits of manners and customs together with chance indications of domestic usages disseminated and as it were lost in the midst of grave moral instruction the fatigue of these unwanted researches appeared to us to be fully compensated by the joy we experienced on finding our hopes satisfied by some new discovery like the botanist who forgets his lassitude at the unexpected sight of a desired plant we no longer remembered the dust of fatidical volumes nor the numberless leaves we had turned over when by a happy chance our gastronomic enthusiasm espied a curious and rare dish thus it is that this work essay we ought to call it has been slowly and gradually augmented with the spoils of numerous writers of antiquity both religious and profane we have avoided as much as possible giving to this book a didactic and magisterial character which would have ill accorded with the apparent lightness of the subject and might have rendered it tedious to most readers we know not whether these researches will be considered instructive but we hope they will amuse when we compare the cookery of the ancients with our own and the parallel naturally presents itself to the mind it often betrays strange anomalies monstrous differences singular perversions of taste and incomprehensible amalgamations which baffle every attempt at justification apicius himself or perhaps the coelius of the third century to whom we owe the celebrated treatise de opionius would run great risk if he were now to rise from his tomb and attempted to give vogue to his ten books of recipes either of passing for a prisoner or of being put under restraint as a subject decidedly insane it follows then that although we have borrowed his curious lucubations we leave to the roman epicurean and to his times the entire responsibility of his work the reader will also remark in the course of this volume asserted facts of a striking oddity certain valuations which appear to be exaggerated some descriptions he will pronounce fabulous or impossible now we have never failed to give our authorities but we are far from being willing to add our personal guarantee so that we leave all those antique frauds if any to be placed to the account of the writers who have traitorously furnished them we think however that most persons will peruse with some interest and let us hope a little indulgence these studies on an art which 
like all arts invented by necessity or inspired by pleasure has kept pace with the genius of nations and become more refined and more perfect in proportion as they themselves became more polite it appears that the luxury and enchantments of the table were first appreciated by the assyrians and persians those voluptuous asiatics who by reason of the enervating mildness of the climate were powerless to resist sensual seductions greece beloved daughter of the gods speedily embellished the culinary art with all the exquisite delicacy of her poetic genius the people of athens says an amiable writer whom we regret to quote from memory took delight in exercising their creative power in giving existence to new arts in enlarging the aureola of civilization at their voice the gods hastened to inhabit the antique oak they disported in the fountains and the streams they dispersed themselves in gamesome groups on the tops of mountains and in the shade of the valleys while their songs and their balmy breath mingled with the harmonious whisperings of the gentle breeze what cooks what a table what guests in that eden of paganism that land of intoxicating perfumes of generous wines and inexhaustible laughter the lacedaemonians alone those cynics of greece threw a saddening shade over the delicious picture of present happiness undisturbed by any thought of to-morrow let us not forget that an athenian not less witty than nice and moreover a man of good company has left us this profound aphorism la viande la plus délicate est celle qui est le moins viande le poisson le plus équis est celui qui est le moins poisson rome was long renowned for her austere frugality and it is remarked that during more than five centuries the art of making bread was there unknown which says little for her civilization and intelligence subsequently the conquest of greece the spoils of the subjugated world the prodigious refinements of the syracusians gave to the conquered nations says juvenal a complete revenge on their conquerors the unheard-of excesses of the table swallowed up patrimonies which seemed to be inexhaustible and illustrious dissipators obtained a durable but sad renown the romans had whimsical tastes since they dared not serve the flesh of asses and dogs and ruined themselves to fatten snails but after all the caprices of fashion rather than the refinement of sensuality compelled them to adopt these strange aliments paulus aemilius no doubt a good judge of such matters formed a high opinion of the elegance displayed by his compatriots in the entertainments and he compared a skilful cook at the moment when he is planning and arranging a repast to a great general we were very anxious to enrich our pantrophian with a greater number of bills of fare or details of banquets but we have become persuaded that it is very difficult at the present day to procure a complete and accurate account of the arrangement of feasts at which were seated guests who died two or three thousand years ago save and accept the indications more or less satisfactory but always somewhat vague which we gather on this subject from petronius athenaeus apuleius macrobius suetonius and some other writers we can do little more than establish analogies make deductions and reconstruct the entire edifice of an antique banquet 
by the help of a few data valuable without doubt but almost always incomplete one single passage in macrobius a curious monument of roman cookery will supply the place of multiplied researches it is the description of a supper given by the pontiff lentulus on the day of his reception we present it to the amateurs of the magiric art Quote, the first course anticoina was composed of sea hedgehogs raw oysters in abundance all sorts of shellfish and asparagus the second service comprised a fine fatted pullet a fresh dish of oysters and other shellfish different kinds of dates univalvular shellfish as whelks conchs etc more oysters but of different kinds sea nettles becaficos chines of roebuck and wild boar fowls covered with a perfumed paste a second dish of shellfish and purples a very costly kind of crustacea the third and last course presented several hors d'oeuvres a wild boar's head fish a second set of hors d'oeuvres ducks potted river fish leverets roast fowls and cakes from the marshes of ancona all these delicacies would very much surprise an epicurean of the present day particularly if they were offered to him in the order indicated by macrobius the text of that writer as it is handed down to us may be imperfect or mutilated again he may have described the supper of lentulus from memory regardless of the order prescribed for those punctilious and learned transitions to which a feast owes all its value let us we would say in addressing our culinary colleagues avoid those deplorable lacoons let us preserve for future generations who may be curious concerning our gastronomic pomp the minutiae of our memorable magiric meetings prompted almost without exception by some highly civilized idea a love of the arts the commercial propagandism or a feeling of philanthropy the greeks and romans egotists if there ever were any supped for themselves and lived only to sup our pleasures are ennobled by views more useful and more elevated we often dine for the poor and we sometimes dance for the afflicted the widow and the orphan moreover a most important ethnographical consideration seems to give a serious interest to the diet of a people if it be true as we are convinced it is and as we shall probably one day endeavour to demonstrate that the manners of individuals their idiosyncrasies inclinations and intellectual habits are modified to a certain extent as taste climate and circumstances may determine the nature of their food an assertion which might be supported by irrefragable proofs and would show the justness of the aphorism tell me what thou eatest and i will tell thee who thou art End of introduction.